We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama! What a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right. Welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast live on a Monday, available for download on a Tuesday. He's the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland. I'm Chris Plank, producer Meg McDonald, Zach Tilly, director. He's nervous. You know why he's nervous? No idea. Lions Packers tonight. Oh, he's a big Lions fan. He has to worry about the Raiders in three weeks, That'd be too. a good game. I'm excited. Oh, I'm pumped for it as well, too. Uh, not nearly, though, as pumped as we were on Saturday as Oklahoma beat Texas in the Red River showdown by a final score of 34-27. to Before we get into some thoughts and some highlights from the game, Toby, what a statement made by this Oklahoma football team on Saturday. Pretty fun. Yeah, I said it on the press conference show earlier today. I mean, the number one question coming into this game was, is the OU defense for real? And there were encouraging signs. I think we all had high hopes, but they hadn't played anybody. Right. Certainly not the caliber of Texas. And the answer is yes. The answer coming out of this is yes, they are for real. And if they're going to play like that with the kind of offense that we already knew they had, uh, this is a legitimate, not just college football playoff contender, but a national championship contender. So we asked a question today to kind of get your thoughts on. Add OU on the air on the Facebook page and comment below. Uh, comment below. But six games into the season, I know this about the Sooner football team. So you, you and I will table mm-hmm. that for a while. Uh, we're going to answer up, later. And we'll, you and I will answer right. it later. Six games into the football season, I know this about this Oklahoma football team. That's a lot of this is in there as well. Too. I know this. I'm really getting good at drinking coffee on Saturday mornings. Another 11 a.m. start. I, I know that they are able to play at 11 a.m. <laughs> that was... Uh, and better be 
going forward. Right, so uh, they will have their fifth straight 11 a.m. game next week against Kansas State after an 11 a.m. kick against West Virginia on Saturday. Toby and I will be on the Sooner Radio Network beginning at 9 a.m. All right, let's look back on Saturday. What a difference a year makes. The Oklahoma defense stole the show. In fact, so much so, here was Sam Ellinger, the Texas quarterback, after the game talking about what was different about this Oklahoma football's defense. They did a really good job of swarming the football. Um, <clears throat> obviously, they recruit extremely well and have um, tremendously talented players. And I feel like they just let them um, go make plays, opposed to I'm trying to do a bunch of whole bunch of complex stuff. They just let them um, be athletes, and and they did a good job of that. I, I thought it was a really good question from Barry Trammell because it was the third time that Sam Ellinger has faced Oklahoma in 52 weeks, and it's his third different defensive coordinator that he's gone wow. up against, wow. which is pretty wild if you yeah. think about it. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Kenneth Murray flying around making plays, telling us after the game that what's it all about, the defensive line taking up space. I mean, that was – they were everywhere on it Saturday. It seemed like there were 14 guys on the field <laughs> on defense for them in white shirts, didn't it? Yes. I mean, they were living in the backfield. Sam Ellinger had no time, virtually no time, to set up and look for a second – or third receiving option. And whether it was Neville Gallimore, uh, whether it was bringing a blitz, Pat Fields came sneaking in the back door that one time. Q Overton was great. Ronnie Perkins was great. You mentioned Kenneth Murray was outstanding. Across the board, I thought they played fantastic. The coverage was, was good on the back end. They mixed it up. It wasn't always blitzes and twists and stuff. Sometimes it was just those guys up front beating their guy. And in the case of Nev on a couple of occasions, beating a double team. but. I mean, just the, look at the flying. Kenneth Murray is twice as fast as everybody in an orange shirt, it looks like. Here comes <laughs> Pat Fields shooting through. A brilliant game plan by Alex Grinch, and you can tell this defense believes in him. They believe in what he's preaching. They have bought in. They're playing hard. It's fun to watch. After that sack by Kenneth Murray, he came over to the sidelines, and uh, I'm a big Brian Odom fan. I think it's about as happy as I've ever seen Brian Odom because he gave him a big high five. There's my neighbor, Q Overton, Is that getting right? a sack as well, too. Yeah, he's been playing great so far this year. And I, I love that last play that we just saw because that was Marcus Stripling getting a sack. Yeah. Do, do you know how many snaps Marcus Stripling played on Saturday? How many? Three. And on three <laughs> it's a sacks, high percentage. he got a sack, which is incredible. So the Oklahoma defense stole the show. And let me add one more thing on the difference a year makes. They tackle well. They did a much better job on the edges, but we've got to talk about trouble. And Delarian Turner Yell is really starting to develop into a not just a not just a serviceable safety. He's a really good safety yeah. right now, and that's become a good combination with the impact fields. Well, we got to worry about something every week. Right, exactly. That's exactly. a rule. And a couple of weeks ago it was the safeties. Right. What are we gonna do about our safeties? And I remember asking Teddy at the time, because it had just become an accepted storyline right. of this team. What exactly is it that's wrong with the safeties? <laughs> because, you know, maybe I'm just not seeing it from a right. football standpoint. What, he goes, I don't, I'll be honest with you, I don't know. I think they're playing okay. And sure enough, in the last couple of weeks, I think they've shut up all the, uh, the naysayers. But uh, Delarian Turner yell, trouble, as you call him. Pat Fields are playing some good football. Now, maybe from a depth perspective there, they could use a little bit of help. But uh, they're playing great. I thought uh, Parnell Motley. Trey Brown, Jaden Davis across the board played well. I thought Buki made a couple of nice plays. So there's a lot of talk about the guys up front, the front seven, and rightfully so. They had a huge game with the nine sacks, but the back end was solid as well. By the way, I, I did want to add 
that it's not just a nickname. That's legitimately what everyone on the team calls him. Because when we were waiting for an elevator, Pat Fields was there with Trey Brown after we did our postgame interview. And they said, trouble, 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 let's go. And <laughs> everyone's kind of like looking around up in the uh, by where the press nickname. conferences were. All right, so let's segue from the defense. We're going to talk a lot about CeeDee Lamb coming up here in just a bit. But let's talk about the quarterback position. And it wasn't a great start for Jalen Hurts, but he gutted through it. I mean, we talked about it on the radio network. Uh, it appeared as if something had dinged up in his hand. He had a little wrap on his hand today, but he quickly shut me down. You notice? He goes, no, I'm fine. I'm going to be all right. But he, he persevered. He over, overcame a lot Saturday, I thought. He didn't play great, you know, in the first half especially. Oklahoma should have had a bigger than one-score lead at halftime. Agreed. I mean, they had dominated that first half, and to only be up seven made you nervous. And, and Jalen took responsibility for that, and it kind of had to. I mean, he fumbled one in the red zone. He made a poor decision in the red zone there in the second quarter, but he played a great second half. I mean, he rebounded, and, and you would expect that. I, listen, I don't, the kid has seen a lot of football. He's played in a ton of big games. He's more mature than we are. He is, he is a fascinating young man. But anybody who plays in that game for the first time, I don't care what you've seen. You can't help but be a little bit flustered. Like, you, you have one snap at the 20, and you're surrounded by your fans cheering you on. And the next snap you take, and they're calling you every name in the book on the other <laughs> end of the field. It's just bizarre. And uh, I thought it took him a half to settle in, whether that's the reason or not. Right. I thought it took him a half to settle in. Second half, he made uh, good decisions. I think you could tell a little bit that he wasn't feeling 100%. But, boy, C.D. Lamb uh, sure made him and everybody else on that offense look good. Uh, I, and I'm they sure. ran the ball great. Oh, exactly. You know, our, our buddy Dennis Stats Kelly, who does the stats on the, on the radio broadcast, I sent us this tweet whenever we were heading home. He said, when you put your head on the pillow tonight and say Jalen was off, remember he had the most rushing yards at quarterback ever versus Texas. Yeah, for an OU player, yeah. For an OU, ever for an OU player. Better get that precursor. For an OU quarterback. OU quarterback, yeah. that's right. So with that said, Jalen Hurts is constantly asked about those Alabama ties and confusing things, or excuse me, comparing things, confusing them, comparing things to Oklahoma and what the difference is. And I thought this was a good exchange from the post-OU Texas press conference with Jalen. Now that you've played in the Texas OU game, how does that compare with the Iron Bowl? I figured that was coming. <laughs> I did too. Um, to each their own. Um, different environments. You know, it's, I don't know any other you know, person that will be able to say that they've um, gotten wins in both of those games. So I think that's very special. And that's a testament to, to my teammates here, man. It's, I wouldn't rather do it with any other group. Um, when you talk about the emotional ties I have to this university, they, they, they're, they're there now, for sure. Oh, you DNA me. <laughs> now, part of that is there was, I believe it was a Ringer article that came out that had kind of questioned, hey, is, is, is this dude really committed here? And not in a bad way, but just he's all about trying to get to that next level. And I thought that was... Jalen being you know, aware of the situation and saying, no, no, I'm, I'm tied to this university regardless of what the past might look like. I thought that was a big moment. That, that felt like a big moment. It, it did. did. And I think it was a big day for him. I think you can't help but when you go through a, a day like Saturday, it's one thing to go to Lawrence and have a rain delay and everything and go out to Los Angeles. But when you go through a day like Saturday, Saturday and everything that's involved in it, 
and you are walking hand in hand, step for step with it's a brotherhood. Mm -hmm. You come out the other side, and you're you're a little bit changed. And I think we saw Jalen, um, not that he wasn't a hundred percent. He Absolutely. was voted the captain. Right, of this team. he's a Don't team forget. captain. He's been here since February. But it's something, man. I mean, this OU Texas game is something, and I think he was even more embedded in this program after that game was over than he was before. Uh, I, I I've always called him the pride of Oklahoma. I mean, I think he's he he's a remarkable. Think about what he's done. I mean, he said it right there. To get to play in and win the Iron Bowl, and to get to play in and win OU Texas. Something else, isn't it? Yeah, just to get to experience both of those things. What, now, a, what a cool kid. Speaking of something else, CeeDee Lamb. Had a day. Oh, my goodness. He had a day. By my math, that was the uh, – CeeDee Lamb now holds two of the best yardage games as a receiver against Texas in his career. He was on the field for a third. That was when D.D. Westbrook went nuts. And, I mean, I, I like some of the screenshots you see where he's surrounded by five defensive backs – and they remind you, yeah, he scored on this play. Yeah. Now, on the field, it was something impressive to see. Toby, from, from up top, how blown away were you by his elusiveness and his power on Saturday? It's a video game a little bit. Um, he, he did a little bit of everything. You remember that first touchdown? It was a fourth down play at the one-yard line mm -hmm. in a scoreless game. And he ran a flawless route to get that touchdown. So that was just a little one-yard pass, no big deal. But then the other two touchdowns, were them getting him the ball and saying, go to work. And it was, I think we said it on the air at the time, it was a bit of a magic trick what he was able to pull off. The difference between him, and you see him up close down there, Chris, between him now physically and when he came in as a freshman is amazing. He was a scrawny little kid that wasn't breaking any tackle when he first came on this campus. And now he's a man. And if you're going to bring him down, you better mean it. You know, when you got him, look at him, he's just running through tackles, <laughs> running through guys trying to swipe at him with their arms. Um, he, he's a, got great hands, which makes him a great receiver. But his run-after catch ability might be the best in America. Look look, at that. Here's the one, two, three, four, five guys right there. That's, that's a linebacker. A that's a terrible tackle, but at the same time, you've got to have the strength to run through that tackle. Um, I, I'm, I'm just watching these. I've watched these on repeat like 12 times. I'm not even lying. That was a linebacker that was coming back to try to get him. And, yes, a bad tackle, but he shed him. And I, it was kind of funny because I think sometimes CD talked last week about how Jalen can be kind of hard on himself. And this is just a personal observation. I think CD can be pretty hard on himself. You know, I, you can see him on the sidelines. I think, I think there's some times whenever he can get a little bit down on himself too. And he did not allow that to seep in because there's been a couple of games this year. You know, not every game has been – <laughs> 200 yards yeah. almost for C.D. Lamb. It's been a bit of a roller coaster for him. Sure, but I think he elevated himself back into the Litnikoff conversation, and here's a little bit from C.D. and Lincoln after the game on Saturday. I mean, um, considering what was at stake at this game, um, it's obviously a great experience, man. And uh, for me to go out there and play with a chip on my shoulder like I did today, and uh, I can't really do nothing but thank the big man upstairs and the guy that's sitting to the right of me uh, for putting me in a position. And... Uh, Got to thank the defense for their performance today. Lincoln, is he as good a gamer as you've ever coached? He's pretty good today. You know, there's no doubt we've been able to coach some great wideouts over the year. And, you know, we've still got some time together, so I'm not going to anoint him yet. But he's uh, <laughs> he knows that. Um, he, he's, he's a special player, you know. And, and it's been fun 
for the journey with CD and really just like Kenneth too, you know, just seeing their development through the years and they came in talented kids, hungry kids, and they're have both really turned into great players and uh, but proud of these guys, proud of certainly have proud of how CD played today on a big stage. He's a he's a big game player. Big time. Big time player. And I, I like that everyone wants to always proclaim it. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but oh that was the greatest. He's the best gamer. I mean, you think about it, he's going to go down as one of the greats in OU history, but there's still more chapters to be written. And I know, I know that he's got another year of eligibility, but those mock drafts are starting to show him in the top 15, so you never know, but may have been his last OU Texas in the Cotton Bowl. Imagine being West Virginia's defensive coordinator today, all right? <laughs> so this is the great thing that Lincoln does, is somebody will have a big game like that, like Trey Sermon, uh, had a nice day against Kansas. Mm-hmm. Doesn't touch the ball against right. Texas, okay? So if you're West Virginia's defensive coordinator this week, how in the heck are we going to stop C.D. Lamb, right. right? It may be that ball out Charlie goes eight catches, 150 yards this time because you're, you've rotated two guys over to C.D. Right. Lamb because you got to. you got to put double coverage on him. After what you saw in the Cotton Bowl. Oh, you have to. So I wouldn't be shocked at all if Charleston Rambo has a big day against uh, or. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. You know, one of the running backs, somebody else, CD has one of those one-two catch games where we say, what's wrong with CD again? Yeah, uh, or now the Jane Hazelwood. Maybe he comes out and has a big game on Saturday after not uh, having a catch this past week. No, he was on the hands team with Austin Stogner out there near the end of the game. So again, for your questions, at OU on the air, or of course on the Facebook page as well, through six games, I know this, got a couple of them off Twitter here that I'll get to in just a bit. But Toby, now that we've looked back, let's kind of look ahead a little bit going forward for this Oklahoma football team. The challenge of carrying over momentum, you know, it's, it's, it's always difficult. And I thought what Coach Riley said in his press conference today was incredibly telling and on point. This Saturday at 11 a.m., might be where we learn more about this team than this past Saturday because they've had some success. They've had people say nice things about them now. How do you handle that? Do you continue to grind? And I, I think they will based on what we've seen so far. At the very least, we saw that <laughs> we saw Jalen Hurts has that mindset. Yeah. Well, I think you'll learn the maturity level of Absolutely. this team this week. This is uh, something Bob Stoops made a big point of when he was here and Lincoln Riley has carried on. Is Bob was, after they beat Texas or lost to Texas, was quick that next week or even in that post-game interview to say, hey, it's just one game. Just, we've, nobody's given me a pay raise around here for winning one game against Texas. you got to go win national championships, Big 12 championships. And Lincoln has copied that sentiment both in his post-game remarks and then again today at the press conference. He said we're going to coach him hard this week. He was asked about the Texas hangover, and he said we'll learn a lot about our team this week. So uh, I think that's true. 
you know, we know how talented they are. It seems like Lincoln continues to feel like they've got a chasm to go between where they are and where he feels they can be. If that's the case, this is a national title contending team. So he feels that, and he's on them, man. He's pushing them hard. And if they come out and they're flat next Saturday, that's a bit of a concerning sign. If they come out and they're sharp next Saturday, this is a very mature football team. And, I, and again, I think that's the best point you can make. If this team plays well on Saturday with, I don't want to say hangover by any stretch of the imagination, but you don't see them struggle early on. If they get out of the gates fast and this game's 21-zip or even 28 nothing in the first half, well, I mean, look out. Listen, they beat Texas. Right. Huge game. Game of the week, college football. You know everything that goes into that emotionally. You win it. Now you're coming home in front of friendly faces, and you're going to play a team that you're a 32-point favorite <laughs> over. And they're college kids. I mean, the natural instinct is for there to be a letdown this week. If there's not one, that would be very impressive. You know, the, the thing, too, I, I just got done talking to C.D. Lamb, and, you know, we just think you're at the Cotton Bowl. It's the greatest thing ever, and, and it is. But when I asked C.D. Lamb about coming home, he said, yeah, it's going to be nice to be in a stadium where everyone's rooting for you. Yeah. And that never kind of registered with me that, you know, on one end of the field, everybody loves you and you're the greatest. And then on the other end of the field, you're the villain. So that, that's one thing that never really – I mean, I get it. I see it. I'm there. But then to get home and to have everyone on your side, I think this will be a big weekend for some energy for the Sooners. I think the fans are excited to see them again. It's been a couple of weeks, and what they did was special on Saturday, and I think they're excited to greet them again. All right, um, let's see. We got one more thing I wanted to get into before we dive into a couple of questions, and that is the running back room. You had five different ball carriers, 276 yards. As we talked about, some people like to focus on the one that maybe didn't get a carry, and Lincoln Riley addressed that. There's nothing wrong with Trey Sermon. He's not hurt. I think uh, I was actually listening to our broadcast on Sunday because the Sirius XM 375 carried it, and I was listening to it. But I, I couldn't help but – you know, notice that we brought it up a few times. Hey, no carry. And I just felt, hey, he's over here on the bike. He's doing all his regular stuff. There's not an injury here. And as Lincoln said, that's just how it happened to play out. But the rest of that room, holy smokes, they were something else on Saturday. It was weird. Oh, true. I mean, coming into the game, if you said, what running back do you think will have the most carries? I would have said Trey Sermon. I don't know what you would have said, but I think most people would have said Trey Sermon. For, for him to not get a single carry, even though he was on the field a bunch, was odd, mm -hmm. but, you know, I, I believe Lincoln when he says that there's nothing wrong with him, yeah. but uh, Ken good to see Kennedy Brooks healthy again because two weeks ago we thought he might be lost for the season. He looked great. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, TJ Pledger, they still got Marcus Major back there, So and then they've been handing the ball on these jet sweeps every once in a while to CD or, or Charleston Rambo, so... Um, and the offensive line, when you're talking running game, you got to start with those guys. That was the major question mark offensively coming into this game. They didn't give a single sack, and they ran for almost 300 yards on the ground. So they're coming together nicely, too. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny because what you were saying about the receivers can fit with the running backs, right? You know, suddenly you might watch a game and think, man, yeah. CD had 176 yards, and the next game he might only have a couple catches. But the same thing with the running backs. Trey Sermon didn't have a carry on Saturday. He might run for 200 yards this next week. And that just shows you the depth in there. Kenny Brooks, Ramondre Stevenson, the future in Marcus Major look fantastic. I'm totally speculating here, but this Go is ahead. a podcast. This is what this is That's for, what we okay? do. So I'm kind of just wondering if Lincoln isn't just like, since we're so deep, right? maybe he's breaking the mold on how you, you do the running back position. Uh, Kennedy Brooks doesn't even travel to Kansas. Right. Watching it from his couch, he said. So 
he he is the go-to back against Texas on two full weeks rest. <laughs> so <laughs> Trey Sermon gets no carries against Texas. Maybe maybe this is the way to preserve backs for the end of the year is this, you know, not just giving them fewer carries in game, but entire weeks off almost mm-hmm. where their bodies aren't being punished so that they're even healthier on down the line. I, don't, I have no idea if that's what he's doing or not, but I wouldn't be shocked if it isn't Trey Sermon who gets, you know, 10, 11 carries and is the leading rusher against West Virginia. What's the one thing that the defense talks about? They feel like you're fresher at, you know, or better at right. 70 snaps and say 80. Right. Maybe Lincoln's trying that same thing out with his running backs. Hmm. Hmm. Makes you think. Hey, one more thing before we get to some of your questions. Meg has promised me we have enough time to talk about the champion chase as the march to Arlington continues. Baylor's sitting undefeated, though. They got a bit of a break on Saturday on an illegal snap call that wasn't an illegal snap, according to what Kirby Hocutt was told from the Big 12 that could have ended that game in favor of Texas Tech. Uh, Oklahoma State seemed like they were going to bounce back after beating Kansas State, but then they lose, Mm -hmm. and they fall. They get Baylor this weekend. You still have Texas in that mix. You still have Iowa State who's playing real well in that mix. Who's number two in this conference right now? Is it still Texas? I think so. I think Texas is the second-best team. Iowa State's coming on. You know, I, I and a lot of people have kind of written them off after that second loss. They've only got one loss in conference. Right. And uh, they're playing pretty good football right now. They plastered TCU. They went to Morgantown and handled them easily. So um, I think Iowa State's coming on strong. Baylor goes to Oklahoma State this week. If they get a win in Stillwater, then I'll believe Baylor's for real and has a chance to go to Arlington. Yeah, and Oklahoma State has, has had this happen to them in seasons past where maybe against really good teams you see them play well and sometimes against maybe teams that aren't up to their level they struggle a bit. But I think what we learned about Texas, Texas is going to be a problem from here on out. With yeah, what Jed Matt Duffy's Wells figured some things is out. is doing defensively. And then I'll, I'll just add one more thing. I'm glad you brought that up with Iowa State. You know, they still only have the one conference loss. You know, they might have had a couple of difficult games early in the season, nearly losing to Northern Iowa, losing to Iowa. But I'm not – Brock Purdy's looked really good over the last couple Matt of weeks. Matt Campbell tends to have them play better and better yep. as the year goes along, and, and you know how this works. They're probably on pace to peak in about three weeks when they come to Norman. All right, let's hustle down the stretch here. Got time for a few of your questions from Facebook and, of course, from Twitter. Uh, this is from Keith who wants to know, guys, is Jalen Hurts running the football, uh, running the football too much? No, because we need him to. Um, he's really effective at knowing when he's got space. I, I mean, the Saturday. threat of him with the feet is just a nightmare for defenses to deal with. I would, Keith, like to see him take fewer hits. I would like to see him get down. You know, the fumble was because he decided to try to get a few extra yards. Yep. So, not that he needs to run the ball less, but I'd like to see him, just for preservation's sake, uh, be a little smarter when he runs and takes fewer hits. Here, here's one wild thing, and I was just looking up on the stats. When he was at Bama in 16, 17, and even the, the handful of games he played in 18, he was always viewed as a running quarterback, right? Uh, he is on pace to smash not only his yardage, but also his carries. Now, it might be kind of tough to get to what he did in 2017. He carried the ball 154 times for almost 900 yards. But in those, in those years, five yards per carry, 5.5 yards per carry in 4.6. That average in 2019, 8.5 yards per carry. How many times has he Hurts. carried it this year? So far, he's carried it 74 times for 630 yards. So he's he's ran it quite a well, bit. He's on pace for more than that 154 then. 
Now, my math is atrocious, by the way. If there, <laughs> if there is one thing that you have learned have a, from this podcast. Hopefully a championship game and a bowl game, so you're, and maybe more. I mean, you're looking yeah. at a 13, 14, 15-game schedule. So Yeah, all right. So uh, let's move on here. What do you think about West Virginia? What is dangerous about this WVU team, Corey Wilson wants to know? Well, they're a good defensive team. This is a little bit uh, opposite of the West Virginia we've, we've come to know in that they, when they've struggled, they've struggled on offense this year. They haven't run the ball very well. Uh, but they're pretty good defensively. They're good at not giving up big numbers, kind of a bend and don't break approach. I think the danger here for Oklahoma is where the game falls, Yeah. not necessarily the opponent. You've got you know somebody coming in with nothing to lose who has lost two games in a row, is a 32-point underdog. That's a scary number. We've heard that number before. And they come in here and, and take the less miles, let her rip strategy. And Oklahoma's coming off the emotional thing at Texas. If they fall behind early, then we'll see. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. But more than what, what danger West, per, West Virginia's personnel provides, I think it's where the game falls that is dangerous. Yeah, and you mentioned their coaching side of things. Neil Brown, a heck of a coach. You know, he's, he's coming in with, I mean, the great history of pulling off big-time upsets. When he was at Troy, they yep. knocked off LSU. They beat North Carolina State handily earlier this year. So they've got a really good coaching staff. And, I mean, their quarterback, Austin Kendall, was here, so he kind of knows. We'll see if he goes, like he said, yeah. with Jack Allison. But you're right, this is a defensive-oriented team. All right, a couple more questions. Uh, let's see. This one's about Grant Calcaterra. This is from Kerry. Good one. How is Grant Calcaterra doing? I'll say this much. I talked to him right before the game on Saturday, and, you know, obviously he was a little bit frustrated. I should say frustrated. Disappointed is the term, but he was there on the sidelines all game, and he was there for his teammates. Now, he had earplugs in, and he was wearing sunglasses, but he was there for this team all game long, and we'll see. Lincoln already ruled him out for the West Virginia game, but, you know, you hope you get him back because even though the numbers aren't big, Toby, he's a great weapon for this team. That tight end down the seam is trouble. One of the best tight ends in America, so, yeah, that's – Let's get him some rest. Let's get him feeling better and uh, have him healthy down the stretch. All right, and then one more big question left. This is from Jayton, Jayton Carey. What is OU's biggest game left on the schedule? Hmm. I guess they mean toughest game. Is that what they mean? Toughest, biggest. I mean, they're all big, if you ask me, because we only get 12 of these guaranteed a year. But that's my homeristic take for you, why you should enjoy every single college football game. I I mean – I would say probably Oklahoma State's the answer to that. It's a, it's a road game, and, and it's a rivalry and everything. But the last couple of times we've played Baylor and Waco, Ooh. even when Oklahoma's had the better team, last time we went down there, Oklahoma had the much better team, and, and it came down to an onside kick at the end of that game. So that, that trip is, is tricky, especially you know if they keep playing well and there's a Big 12 uh, title game perhaps on the line for them. Um, that, that could be tough. And, and we've already talked about Iowa State. Iowa State's getting better and better, but they come here. So. Off the bye week for Iowa State. So okay. you get that week off between the trip to Manhattan and then the Iowa State game and then that trip to Waco to take on Baylor. Now, I'd like to be the incredibly homeristic guy and say the biggest game left on the schedule is the college football playoff semifinal game. But we got work to do just, before we get there. Why don't you just skip to the championship um, West Virginia at 11 this Saturday is going to be tough. Kansas State next week at 11 a.m. is going to be tough. I, 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 they're all tough. But to me, I've always looked at that Oklahoma State game as the biggest game. Uh, outside of OU Texas, now that we move on, they're going to be hungry. Their freshman quarterback is going to have a full season underneath his belt if he's yeah, healthy. He's scary. Chuba Hubbard Spencer has Sanders. been one of the best running backs yeah. in the country if he stays healthy. So, yeah, mark me down for Bedlam, uh, though that Baylor trip is always a challenging one down in 
Waco. All right, thanks for all the questions, Meg. Great job, Meg McDonald, our producer. Zach Tilly hunted down the audio. Don't forget, Toby and I will be on the air at 9 a.m. on the Sooner Radio Network as we get you set for the 11 a.m. kick. The Sooners are back home. We'll see you out at the party at the Palace beginning. What That starts at, what, 8 a.m., right? Three hours before kickoff? I think that's right. Come enjoy all the food trucks and our pregame show, and we'll see you Saturday for the Sooners and West Virginia. Until then, Boomer Sooner, everybody. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.